This episode of TGQ&A is brought to you by self-loathing. Self-loathing. The only word that Jamie French can't say when doing a live show. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Self-loathing. It's when 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 people hate you and it's just not enough. <laughs> Self-loathing. Yes. Self-loathing. We keep you grounded. Self-loathing. You're really giving me the ASMR experience right now. Yeah, I know. Isn't it? It's a, okay, so, so. It's TGQ&A. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Approximate Podcast. This is another episode, episode 34 of TGQ&A. I'm your host, Jamie French, and uh, you just heard, as always, a lot of bullshit. Uh, how's everybody doing tonight? Again, as always, we're going to let the uh, chat room populate before we get to any questions. There's some cool things to talk about, some cool things to say, some cool, interesting people that I'm going to introduce you to. Um, so without further ado, let's just hop right to it. Uh, I have a special guest in the room, Luna Vixen. Hello. Hi, Luna. How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Doing great. New girl on the scene. Uh, she is a, a new neighbor of mine in, in, in beautiful Arlington, Texas. Why, why, why the hell did you move here? Why would you do that? Well, <laughs> you know. Is it because you wanted to be part of the um, uh, one of the largest metropolitan areas without public transportation? Was that it? That's why. You got me. <laughs> I needed to be somewhere where I couldn't drive. Right. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's all walking forever and ever, Arlington, Texas. Uh, so welcome to welcome Thank to our, you. I our, love it here. our great city. It's really pretty here. <laughs> but tell the truth. The real reason that you wanted to come down is because you wanted to be next to the, the fucking star of stars. That's why. Jamie French. I heard Jamie French yeah. lived in Arlington, and I was like, like, fuck. There's where I need to be. <laughs> I'm I don't, on my way. Who could blame you? Who could blame you? Uh, but in all seriousness... I need you to tell me how much you love me. <laughs> <laughs> so much more than myself. Uh, again, uh, self-loathing. <laughs> this episode brought to you by self-loathing, the fine people. Self-loathing, we keep you grounded. Um, so uh, you are uh, new on the scene. Yes. Uh, like, Relatively. I'm new on the professional scene, I guess. I'm getting there. <laughs> you, uh, Most of my stuff is self-produced. Okay, great. Uh, how how long ago did you start? About a year. About a year ago, you started in the adult entertainment industry. Yes. The biz, as it were. Yes, about a year ago. I got started uh, through Reddit, <laughs> actually. Really? Yes. Wow. Uh, oh, w um, can I, what's the... Uh, Please. Where we, What's the subreddit you were posting on? So uh, I started... Was it Traps? That's where I God started. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I knew it. Well, I guess I started on Gone Wild Trans, and then I moved to Traps. <laughs> Just because yeah. I, I kept getting uh, messages, as I'm sure most people that post on there do, and they were just like, post on traps, and it was relentless. So I just yep. followed up on the wishes. Mm. Nice. Build uh, it, and then they will come. Yes, and that's absolutely true. Now, do you have any uh, quote-unquote like official scenes or sets that you've done outside of your own self-produced work? No, I don't. Okay, well, uh, that's uh, – <clears throat> not to give anything away too much, but uh, 
the machine. It's in the works. Things are going to happen. I, I think you know what I'm talking about. Uh, but yeah, you're you're a, you're going to explode very soon. Well, I, I would hope so. That's the plan. Oh, uh, <laughs> I guess this is the this is the second time that you and I have uh, officially met. You know, in person, yeah. and I gotta say, uh, from our initial meeting, uh, everything about you is completely correct for about for what's about to like come your way, and I'm very excited to see uh, how you progress and and see all your. What your future endeavors are is very exciting. Well, that's very reassuring to hear from you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Absolutely. So, everybody, this is uh, TGQ&A. We're here to answer questions, and we will get to those questions very soon by way of, uh, you know, same as always, the Curious Cat app and uh, your emails. And um, we're going to get some people into the room. And we got a couple people watching right now. That's fine. Uh, so I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, some news that's going on as it's been probably two months since I've done one of these, um, and there are some things going on. And it's so refreshing to be able to to kind of do these on a when-I-feel-like-it basis. You know, I let, I let fans of the show know a little while back that that's kind of the way that it was going to be for at least the foreseeable future. Um, so... It's it's like I love it. We got everything set up here. Look, we got this whole Halloween spread. It's uh, as of the time of this recording, uh, October is in its uh, in its uh, is it waning or waxing days? It's waxing oh, days, right? Because waning's when everything's ending. See, you're getting me in trouble with everyone uh-huh. because because <laughs> ah, I'm not in in <laughs> tune with everything. <laughs> no, no, it's uh, so it's the beginning of October, and uh, you know, it's just kind of. Put on a little spooky spread. Having a lot of fun with October this year. Um, it's it's like so many people's. It's it's my favorite time of the month. I'm certainly feeling spooky vibes this month. Yeah, <laughs> I'm loving it. And I'm like I'm like all in this year. Like for the past Jesus Christ, maybe five or six years, I haven't done anything fun for October or or fall or, or specifically Halloween. And I just I just feel it right now. So I got I got some, I got a spooky. Spoopy kind of spread. (laughs) Uh, So having fun with that. But uh, some actual news that's going on. I've been really, really busy, which, again, uh, fans of the show know that's why we haven't been doing so many episodes. Got some really kick-ass things happening with the the, uh, adult career. Um, And uh, nothing, again, that I can speak about right now uh, because of contract kind of stuff. But you guys will... You'll know when it happens. Um, but I had a really cool thing happen, jeez, uh, I'd say about three weeks ago. I landed an editing job with one of my favorite podcasts. And listeners of the show, I'm sure you know of this podcast as well, if, if our tastes align at all. Um, the Unpopular uh, Opinion podcast, that network of podcasts, uh, my favorite for like Four years now, like the definitive go-to podcast that I listen to, um, I got hired on as an editor for them, and uh, and like the the current five episodes that are out on the Unpopular Opinion Network, uh, those are done by yours truly, and I'll put links in the description and everything. But that's very very exciting for me, and it's really really cool to uh, be a part of of 
that show and all the people that are involved with it. So a shout out to Adam Todd Brown and his entire crew. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It's still kind of weird to me and kind of like dreamy that like when you go to the Unpopular Opinion Network and you check out some of the latest podcasts, that that's my handiwork. Like I literally edited it and dictated the flow of the show that you're going to hear. And that's so fucked up and weird. Like the reality is going to set in soon, but I'm still in a very high state about it and I love it. Uh, so thank you very much, Adam. And uh, so I don't know. Let's go ahead and get to some questions. We're going to start with emails first and see uh, what some of the fans have to ask. So we're going to start. Uh, we got an email in that has several questions from a good friend of the show, uh, Evan. Evan says, um, okay, and just as a preface, uh, pre- uh, I can't, I can't speak. I, I have no idea how words work. It's the spoopy. Yes, it's. I'm just so frightened about everything that's going on right now that uh, I've, I've lost my mind. <laughs> so Evan says, <laughs> and I, again, okay, here's what I was gonna say. I didn't, uh, I didn't pre-read any of this stuff. So whatever you hear, so I'm hearing it for the first time too. Cold, yeah. blind. Yeah, we're just, yeah, we're just going in cold, which is the way I like it. Uh, let's see says, hello, uh, I hope I find you and everyone well. I, I'm doing well. Are you doing well? I'm doing well. You, you sound like you're doing well. I like it. I'm well. <laughs> uh, says, sorry for the delay in this letter. I, I know that I told you that I had an issue with my health. Oh, yes, I remember this very well from a uh, past episode. Uh, it has a bit – it has had a bit of an impact – that is now finished, and I'm back to my normal self uh, for whatever that's worth. Okay, well, good. I'm glad to hear that, uh, that you're back in good health. I, you know, I was afraid I was going to lose you there for a second. Don't scare me like that. Jesus Christ. Especially now that it's Halloween. Oy. Uh Question one, Evan has. Question one says, uh, I've become interested in fretless bass guitars. What is your opinion on them? Uh, now you're a musician. Now, what, a, fr- a fretless bass is this like a um, upright bass? Oh boy! So I'll I'll take the question. <laughs> I'm I'm see I'm like completely <laughs> okay. So uh, a fretless bass is is exactly what it uh, says it is. It's exactly it's as just described. a regular bass with it's no a regular bass with no frets. So it's yeah, just a super smooth. Is fret it played board. with a slide? It, no, 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 no. It's just played with your fingers. Okay. Um, and uh, it, it takes one of two things. Having a really good ear for intonation. Um, so like, you know, like a violin player, a viola player, a cello player, and, you know, anything like that where they're, they're playing fretless instruments. Or, uh, you know, you rely on little dots like mm-hmm. on the edge of your fretboard. Because generally a fretless ba- bass won't have like fret markers. Uh, they won't have the little wow. inlays, um, so it's just a super smooth board. I would be lost. So you have to like look at the the like the kind of bleeding edge of the neck and hope that they put dot inlays. So you can, and usually they do, and so uh, you're fucked if it's a dark gig. But if you can see <laughs> your fretboard, you can yeah. You just play the bass as you would you know uh, a fretted bass. Okay. Uh, but it has a very the charm of the fretless bass is that it has a very particular smooth uh 
rounded sound. And it's uh, like everything about a fretless bass is all, is all about like glissando. So it's just all really slippy kind of sounds. Okay. Um, and can be very effective. And I think this will kind of get to the point of answering Evan's first question is that there's it's not that there's a way that you need to think about the fretless bass. It's not a matter of preference. It's a matter of using the right tool for the job. You know, if you're if the song that you're playing, if the song that you're writing benefits from the uh, from the character of a fretless bass, then a fretless bass is simply a thing that you would use. Have one in your arsenal. You can get them as cheap as any cheap bass if you just want the overall effect. I had a really cheap, like two hundred dollar Rogue brand from Musician's Friend fretless bass. Um, that I simply used for the overall effect. I wasn't worried about professional tone. I wasn't worried about anything like that. I knew I needed one for a very specific song, and so I spent $200 to get it. And I did all my tone shaping and kind of uh, extraneous tone work after the fact in post-production because I knew I didn't... I Sure, I would love to have a proper, you know fretless bass one day you know something i spend a little bit of money on but right now i'm not writing the kind of songs that would necessitate a fretless bass for the amount of money that i would spend on a good one so i bought a cheap one for one particular song and and used its initial main charm to my benefit and then just kind of cleaned it up in post-production um and then i fucking i got rid of it um, but if there's ever going to be a time where I need a fretless bass again, uh, then I will either do the same thing. I'll buy a new cheap one or, um, you know, I, I will borrow one from a friend, which is probably what I should have done like <laughs> the first time around. I know enough musicians to where I could borrow a fretless bass, but it was kind of just fun to dick around with. It, it, the one that I bought, its intonation was off. Um, you know, I could tell it wasn't a quality instrument. But for the purpose that I bought it for, uh, it, it did a good job. And so what do I think of them? I think just like anything else, you should have every tonal tool uh, available to you insofar as that you can afford them, you know. Um, and that's just a kind of a thing that comes with time. If you're a hobbyist, you probably never run in that situation. If you're a professional musician uh, – if you're a studio player, then yeah, you want to have every kind of instrument. I mean, there's a point where instruments start getting really, really wacky, you know? Like, you don't necessarily have to have, like, a, a resonating, like, sitar-guitar hybrid or anything like that. But, I mean, sometimes, you know, if you can afford it, sometimes even wacky shit like that is good to have. Um. But having a fretless bass is one of those things where the only thing that sounds like a fretless bass is a fretless bass, and they're a common enough instrument, and their sound is such a part of contemporary music that it would benefit you to at least have a cheap one if you can do it. And if you can get a good one, even better. But usually when you're spending a lot of money on an instrument like that, tends to be that if you have a like a really good fretless bass, you're kind of specializing in the instrument. And all of my answers come from the point of view 
as far as like musician questions from the point of view of, of like a songwriter, you know, and tools that would benefit a songwriter that, you know, has their hands in a lot of like pots, uh, instrument wise, you know, you play a little bit of everything so that you can get the job done. Um, but usually if you're that kind of person, you also have, you, you will just know a lot of musicians, you know, um, if you're a specialist player, if you're like just a player in a punk rock band, you don't need to, you don't really need to know about those kind of things. Those aren't in your general interest. But I'm talking to people that write songs, and if you're a songwriter, songwriting kind of person, then you, the kind of circles that you're going to run in are going to generate a kind of community around you where you get to know all kinds of musicians of every flavor, and you can go to a a person that specializes in uh, like a fretless bass and either borrow their bass or hire them for their services as a player. Um, but generally, yeah, it's, it's a good tool to have. I think I've ran that into the ground. <laughs> um, so we're going to go on to question two, Evan. Question two is, do you think question one – god damn it, Evan. <laughs> You're killing me, Smalls. Uh, do you think question one may have come about by the medication I'm on? Signs point to yes. Signs point to yes. Jesus, Evan, yeah. Uh, refer, refer to uh, answer one. Uh, question three. Hey, you're giving me a lot to uh, talk about, Evan. Thank you very much. You you never let me down. You know, like I've said this before, Evan, you, you have tend to, to save the show time and time again with your just never ending spattering of nonsense. Uh, you know, I love you kid. Uh, question three, why do the drum guys at, at the music shop give better service to me? When I'm in the bass section, then the bass guys. Ooh, interesting question. Hmm. You know, I don't know that I've ever run in that into that predicament, but I, I think I may be able to have an answer for you. Um, I gotta, I gotta take a drink of something real quick, and I want to drink on microphone. So, like, you talk, you say some stuff for a second. So, did this say uh, the drum section where guitar center? Again, I'm sure we can imagine like it's any music store, but uh, I imagine something like a guitar center where a drum guy comes into the bass section and you're looking for bass advice. And the drummer has more interesting, better stuff to say than a bass player. Um, Well, so in my experience, drummers are some of the best musicians because they're really keeping the, the band together when they're playing live. Like most... Like, most of the band is referring to the drummer to be in the right timing. Here's why I think drummers are giving you better advice than... Uh, we're talking about salesmen here. You know, uh, take a place like Guitar Center. The drum section's filled with people that play drums. The bass section, bass, guitar, same, same, same. I used to work at Guitar Center. Um, I was hired to do... Uh, I worked in the um, accessories counter. Like, all the pedals, all the... Uh, like little bits of accoutrement, the picks and plugs and patch cables and all that crap. Um, it's because they already had uh, – I specialized as a bass player, but they already had people in those departments. So they kind of put me in the, like, uh, grab bag department. Anybody can sell this shit, you know. Uh, you're essentially selling flavor packets to kids that are buying their first guitars, you know. Oh, have a flanger pedal. What does it do? I don't know. You'll love it. 
<laughs> that this kind of is, thing. This is the other thought I had. <laughs> but oh, go ahead. Thinking, thinking that it was. I remember buying things from uh, from um, I almost said GameStop, <laughs> Guitar Center, and like uh, two or three times we were buying like a new bass or a new amp or just something expensive and another guy would just swoop in right at the last second and just check us out and i don't know if they were getting the sale for it yeah that's what i was thinking uh okay so that's actually a really good point that you bring up now i'm gonna i'm gonna do my point but then i'm gonna i'm gonna go back to your point because that's a kind of cool little not cool but it's a behind the scenes thing that happens um so i i think my gut tells me that the first answer is the reason why uh a drum tech a drum salesman is giving you better advice about the bass guitar rather than an actual bass player that's a salesman is because you you as a bass player and the drummer and you've heard this time and time again you know uh y'all are one essential instrument that forms the backbone of an overall entire band and from a drummer's perspective, he is the man that keeps time, and he depends on you to help him perform that essential function. So anything that's worth doing is worth doing with a solid foundation from the bottom up, and a drummer is at the very foundation in the bottom of, of any any contemporary rock band, any contemporary – like pick a genre in rock – uh, pick a genre in pop. Um, you can like we get down to the base of what contemporary music is, um, and the drummer is the key. And so the drummer will know best of all how to service everything that's above him. Who's next in line? The bass player, the, and and he relies on the bass player. So he's going to give you advice about a bass guitar. And about your playing, he'll sit and jaw at you about what your function is in respect to his abilities because he knows the importance of it. So long as you're talking to a drummer that knows what the fuck he's doing. Um, but that's that's why he's giving you such uh, sage advice. Whereas a bass player that came in that was a, your salesman, um, he's not thinking – he like he's on the next step up and he may have things like um he may think he may have things like tone in mind or uh flashy playing like like everybody along the like uh the scale of what it is to form a band from drums to bass player to guitar to vocalist and then, like, your keyboard players that are kind of linear, linear – <laughs> I can't speak uh, – that are, like, linear on, on, on the plane of, like, a guitar player, they all tend to think that, like, a good ones will know their place, but they're always a little bit more aspirational, like, kind of thinking up towards the next level in the pyramid. And so a bass player may tell you all the things – that are specific to the charms of a bass and try to sell you on like uh, tone and uh, try to sell you on like wood, uh, try to sell you like what the instrument's made out of, try to sell you on the style of music that you're playing and not really selling you on like the essentials 
of what it is to be a bass player. They're never going to sell you on the role of being a bass player because the role of being a bass player, when you break it down, is boring. It's really, really boring, and it's hard to make sales off of that. So you have to speak to all the fancier stuff about bass playing. And so when you hear a drummer tell it from his view, uh, he's not concerned with your ego. He's concerned about you trying to make the best music as possible. And so when he gives you advice or she gives you advice, it's going to sound a lot more, like there's going to be a lot more gravity there. And so, yeah, if you ever do wind up in a position where a drummer is your salesman in the bass department, listen to the drummer. In fact, now that I said all that, maybe insist on somebody from the drum department to be your salesman, which kind of ties back to your thing. You said that you were trying to buy something, and at the last minute, another salesman, probably from another department, I don't know, probably came in and swooped up the sale and brought you to the counter. Uh, it's a cutthroat game at Guitar Center because uh, everything is commission-based. And anybody from any department except for the accessories counter can make can sell large purchase items. So uh, if somebody was showing you a guitar, uh, say like a nice $500 Pacifica or something from Yamaha, and you spent like a few minutes with him, but then he fucked off and went to fuck with other customers, and a guy from keyboards comes in and says, hey, I can bring you to the counter. We can get you that item. Uh, he gets the sale. And then there's – if that happens, you're fine. You don't give a shit about it. You just, you just got your guitar and you fuck, fucked off. But what happens behind the scenes is there's going to be a fight. Really? There's going to be a fight in the break room. They're like, dude, that was my customer. That was my sale. You're not even in my department. And that doesn't matter, but they'll use that because humans are fucking apes and we're just angry. Uh, and, and then the guy will go, well, hey, sorry. Like, they were waiting 10 minutes, and you fucked off with another customer, man. And I, it was slow in my department, so I saw him. I took him. We got to a point where we always went to the same guy because yeah. he was so good at coming in and swooping up our sales that we just he would, he would give us discounts, and so we went to him. And I'm sure that's why he loved us so much. <laughs> oh, absolutely. But that's also a testament to how good of a job he was doing as a salesman. Yeah, he was you know? awesome. That that's, was a cool guy. That's just, uh, I, I remember that just like any business, there are so much politics behind the scenes. And it's such a personality-driven business. And you find the, the guys that have like a loyal customer base, that have the same repeat clients coming in time and time again – are the ones that truly know what it is to give good customer service. And they, they know that it's not just about being ambitious for sales. That, again, the foundation of anything that's worth doing is from the bottom up. And if you're a good salesman, that you know that customer service equals sales. And you shouldn't just be like roaming around the room trying to get as many sales as you can by volume. You should be concerned about the quality of a particular sale. You want to be the one who's approachable, not the one who's having to approach constantly. Right. So, uh, Evan, I hope that answers your question there. Um, let's see. We're going to go to question four. Question four, Evan asks, uh, what would tempt you away from a Philly cheesesteak? Sacrilege. That is – how dare you? I don't eat cheese. How dare you? You don't count. You, you yes. have no – no dog in this fight. I get the pass. I'm, I'm, I'm actually getting angry at you. 
I, I think that you should just stop talking. You don't understand the magic, the majesty of a Philly cheesesteak sandwich. And, you know, it's misfortune. I wish I liked cheese. It is misfortune. You're, you're damned and you're doomed. It's just, just the gods have just shat all over you that you can't appreciate a Philly cheesesteak sandwich. Food of the gods. If you give me some cheese and it's deep fried, I'll eat it. It's essentially that way. I mean, it's essentially that way on a Philly cheesesteak. The gods wouldn't have it any other way. If there's anyone I think could get me a Philly cheesesteak, I would just absolutely fucking destroy it to you. I think you could pull it off. You know what? I, I you don't gotta lie to make friends. I'm not lying. <laughs> I ate your Texas toast, <laughs> and that had cheese all over it. It did. All right. That's okay. Not- fair enough. Fair enough. But Evan, to answer your question, <laughs> um, I I I I have cheated. In my time, I, I've cheated. I, I have put others above the one true great love. I have. I've strayed. And, and, and I pray about it. I do. But between you and me and Luna and the three people that are watching right now. God bless you all. I, I, have, I have sinned with. The gyro. I have sinned with the kebab. Mm. I have. What about the shawarma? Same, same family, but that's like that's like dicking with the person that I'm cheating on. Like the person that I'm cheating with, that's like dicking with their brother. Like I can't even go that far. No, no. I've cheated on Philly cheesesteak, and it was with the gyro. Mm. For f- our friends over on the other side of the pond, the kebab. Um. And and she is, she is a mistress. She is just the most amazing. I'm so sorry, cheesesteak. I'm so sorry, cheesesteak. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But you don't see the way she dresses. You don't understand cheesesteak. Jesus Christ. I'm sorry. What do I do? I'm torn. I'm torn between two loves. <laughs> Have you ever Are you had? Okay? <laughs> it's like... I'm not okay. It's not okay. I've I've sworn allegiance. I've sworn allegiance to the cheesesteak, and, and 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 there's just something about that Mediterranean. There's there's something exotic about about the gyro, about the kebab. It's the spice. <laughs> it is. It is the spice. It's it's the it's the texture of the bread. It's it's that sauce. Oh, oh. it's the sweet sweet tabbouleh. It's yeah. It's just, <laughs> and I feel bad. And I you know it's, I I got to do. Uh, I got to do five Bloody Marys and, uh, and you know, do the, uh, you know, I'm not Catholic. I don't know what they do, but I definitely got to do five Bloody Marys. Um, Drink five, what? <laughs> five Hail Marys. And uh, I don't know. I got to, I got to spend some time doing some charity work. I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to make up for it, but I, I have cheated. I have been unfaithful, but I, I just don't know what to do. Go uh, you know what I should do? I should, I should try to. Talk both sandwiches into a polyamorous relationship where I get to have the best of both worlds. It's a very selfish endeavor, me and my love for sandwiches. Okay, I was, um, okay, we are still talking about sandwiches. Okay. As far as you know, yes. Uh, <laughs> so, Evan, let's get to question five. Question five is, uh, oh, boy, is, this might be of an adult nature. Ooh. Uh, let's see. Question five, your toys and can- – oh, oh, no, it's not. It's not. No, no, this is wholesome. 
Uh, question five. Your toys and candies will be in the post on Friday. Anything other than chocolate you'd like? Okay, so there's a little bit backstory here. I'd say about four episodes ago, um, Evan sent me a care package from England, where Evan's from. And uh, I did a whole show, like a whole unboxing show about it, and there were so many amazing treats and so much good, like, candies and toys. See my little gumball figurine here? That comes from Evan. Um, for those that are watching this, you know, on YouTube, for those that are listening to this on SoundCloud or iTunes or wherever, it, fucking go watch the show, idiots. What are you, what are you thinking? Um, we, God damn it. I set up a camera for a reason. <laughs> Play ball, man. Um, but, yeah, uh, Evan asks if there's... Any anything that I'd like in particular? No, just just keep surprising me with stuff. Uh, I would say uh, maybe go away from the candies and go more towards like the savory kind of treats a little bit, because um, those those were a joy to uh, like. There there were flavors I've never flaved from Merry Old England. That was that was nice to to experience that, and it it was none of the candy stuff. Uh, essentially, chocolate tastes like chocolate, and I appreciate that. And uh, I did love how different, like, true official Cadbury chocolate was. Um, it's definitely different than what we have here, and I think of a much higher uh, quality. Um, but, yeah, let's go with some more savory snacks and uh, trinkets. Give me, like, just send me fucking weird little things um, from England. Just surprise me. I'm going to be happy with anything you send. I appreciate it so much that you are sending these little care packages, and absolutely, the next time you send one, we are going to make a big fucking deal out of it on the show. So uh, that's it for Evan's questions. Uh, respectfully yours, Evan. Uh, P.S. I'm not dead yet. Well, good. We established that. Uh, otherwise, I don't know that I would have received this email. Um, so stay alive. Stay alive. Don't get dead. At least send me another package before you... Okay, you know, you know, take some time, make an effort. I need it. Thank you. So now we're going to move on. to. I was going to mention how the <laughs> how the P.S. there reminded me of a My Chemical Romance song. And then I was like, oh. I better not mention that. They're not talking about My Chemical Romance. Uh, why? You like the uh, you like those kids? Oh, yeah. Those those 40 year old kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's your favorite? Uh, I'm gonna kill some time here. What's your favorite album by them? Why do you like them? <laughs> I love how I, I love Why how I phrase like that. Them? Why do you like? them? I was in the That's seventh very, grade. Very accusatory. Why do you like them? I was in the seventh grade. I had no friends and found a skateboard and My Chemical Romance, and that just is what did it for me. <laughs> you found you found a skateboard and My Chemical Romance. I didn't they, find did it. Did they I, hand I, you the skateboard? <laughs> no. I, were I, they a sticker on the back I, of the skateboard? I, and you're like, what's that? I what? wasn't just like walking and found. I, I mean, I acquired these things, and I was about it. Who turned you on to My Chemical Romance? God, I don't even know. Probably found it on LimeWire. They're listening now. They're going to be very offended that you didn't <laughs> give them their... No, but I have, I have since then paid for all their albums. But I was in like the seventh grade. I didn't know you could even pay for an album, probably. Or how to, at least. Jesus Christ. I was a, I was a stupid kid. Oh my God, you're so young. Okay, this has been I'm Ancient Hour with Jamie French. I'm literally talking to a person that didn't oh, know yeah. that they could play, could pay for music. 
Okay, well, I guess that came out so awfully phrased. I didn't, I didn't know how to pay for music. I was, um, I was in seventh grade. I didn't have a card. I didn't. I guess I could have gone to Walmart and bought like an iTunes card, but I was like, uh, like I was wa- skateboarding. I didn't. Walmart to this day still has a small section a where they have CDs. Ass kid, LimeWire was what was happening back in those days. Oh my god! You know what that is, right? Lo- I'm. 59 years old. I don't know what LimeWire is. Oh, Jesus Christ. LimeWire was what I was getting off to while you were thinking that it was the way that music was disseminated. I was like, Jesus Christ, I never have to pay for an album again. And you're like, Jesus Christ, music's uh, good. This is how I just, this is just how you get music. What a difference in... Oh, my God. Being born in 1999. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, I'm so sorry. I don't even know my year I was born. 1995. Still. Uh, still. Man, I was plucking my first bass strings while you were just... I need more coffee. Oh, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll get you some more, more coffee. More coffee. <laughs> <laughs> so now what we're going to do is uh, we're going to move on to our Curious Cat uh, bit. And actually, we're making really good time here. We're at 37 minutes, so I'll just get to a few of the Curious Cat questions. Uh, fans of the show know that uh, this is where our questions come from. CuriousCat.me backslash Jamie French. I've been wanting to make an account there, but, like, I'm afraid. Why? What are you afraid of? I mean, is it... Is, is it Hmm. Nobody's like rude there. I mean, is it, I oh yeah, know. no, no. There's, there's I just yeah, don't want to deal with shit. Oh <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, I deal all, with enough shit. It's a complete shit storm. <laughs> okay. That's half. That's half the fun. So, uh, case in point, <laughs> uh, most of these you're gonna find come from a person that that's uh, calls themselves anonymous. <laughs> oh gosh, so many anonymous. Anonymous ask a lot of questions. Uh, sometimes, if you're lucky, you get somebody that uh, actually uses their name. But, no, all of these, of the questions that we have, uh, they're all from Anonymous, our good friend, that has supplied so much to the show. Uh, we're going to start from the top. All uh, right. Anonymous asks, oh, Jesus, what is love to you? Okay. Luna, what is love Baby, to you? Baby, don't hurt me. <laughs> Just like going. <laughs> don't hurt me no more. What what is love to you, Luna? You're 23. Damn, you got the world by the balls. You really asked me a hard one now, huh? Yeah. You have all the answers. You're young. Come on. What's what love? is love? What is you got to figure it out? What is love? Just find someone who laughs at the same shit, and you like to cuddle, and I think that's love. Jesus Christ, that I'll was simplify succinct. it. That was succinct as a motherfucker. I will simplify it for you. You want to live a happy life? That's how. Like, with a person, that's how you do it. I you know <laughs> I don't know that I could beat that answer. I, I have I probably have nine hours to think of things to say about love, and I think you just fucking nailed it. Find somebody that you can. I mean, it, with. I mean, and if you if you yeah, obviously if you guys like fucking, then that's great too. That's yeah, hey, uh, that's 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 great. There's levels the- of cuddling. Yeah, cuddling. <laughs> yeah, fucking. I, uh, I love I love that sex is a level of cuddling. Le- yeah, that's just that's deep state cuddling. That's that's leap cuddle. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay, hey, you know what? I, I, that's your answer. That's tonight's answer about uh, what is love. What is love to us? Luna nailed it. Fucking nailed it. Second question <laughs> comes from our good friend Anonymous. Asks, uh, if a man sucks a condom-wrapped cock, does that make him gay? By definition. By definition. So By the definition made by the straight people of this world, yes. Well, 
Uh, like, what do you think about that? Uh, it's like, unpack that for me. Unpack that for me. I mean, I mean, if if a man sucks a dick, I don't know why. Who's I, dick? I don't know. I don't know why a condom would matter. But if a man sucks a dick, who's dick? I guess anybody's. Like, it's a dick, right? I mean, I don't know. I mean, do you want like the Ron Jeremy dong or like? The, the the cute girl dong. I, I think so long as a man doesn't feel like he's forced to suck a dick and he's doing it of his own volition, I think, uh, you know, knowing what I know about guys and all my experience with guys, I think he's just happy to be there. I think Any you're right. It's do. not about who who's dong. It's just about the dong. You're right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if you're sucking a dick, you're, you're fucking gay. And if you're gay... Fucking own it. Fucking suck that. You know, because I I know I know where these kind of questions come from. They come from uh, like a fragile sense of masculinity and sexuality. And I say yes, it's gay. Go buy the most rainbowy fucking uh, shirt that you can. I want you to get the smallest. Look at it. Little this way. shorts. I want you to parade that shit and be proud of it. And 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 trust that you found something that you love to do. Take all the shame away from it. Shout it from on top of the gayest, most colorful mountain. Uh, like, wait for a rainbow to come over after a nice rainy day, and I want you to take a, a fucking megaphone, I want you to shout it into the fucking heavens. I'm gay! I love cock! If you're a dude. Um, do that. Like, fucking own it. Fall in love with life. Fall in love, suck all the dicks. Make sure it's fucking consensual, and that it's all done with like just the biggest love in your heart and just go out and just just suck suck until your cheeks implode just suck suck and be gay and be happy and and just be in love with with that side of yourself please just go be gay i need to change my definition of what love is <laughs> 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 oh please! I gotta hear this. <laughs> Just it's sucking dick. It's sucking it's dick. A, anonymous, <laughs> you've given me intuition. Oh, see, th- this is what I love about this show. We're all constantly helping each other out. We're figuring out life together, folks. I mean, if it's you looked down and saw yourself sucking your penis, would you think it was gay? I have looked down at myself sucking my own penis, and it was absolutely gay. It was it was the best kind of gay. Well, there's your answer. I was answer. like, I'm I'm sucking, I'm I'm sucking, the ultimate dick. The it's like yeah, it's like everything about my sexuality sexuality has like been dictated by my cock and its specific needs. And there I am sucking it. I'm praying to the god of me by sucking my cock. How weird does that sound? Yeah. So uh, yeah, no, I've you know I got to get back into it. Uh, that's that's a, that's a really hot seller, <laughs> but I've had a, a few too many cheesesteaks in my day. I got to go back to the gym, see if I can uh, uh, go pray at the altar of my crotch once more. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, th- now and this whole condom bit in the question: well, okay. if a man sucks a condom wrap cock, does it make him? Yeah, absolutely. It's just it, you're just. Be responsibly gay. It's not a like a straight filter. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, there, yeah. There's nothing about a, a a thin membrane of latex that changes anything. If anything, it makes it a little hotter. I have a latex fetish myself. I can suck. It makes on it, it gayer. Yeah, yeah it makes it makes it gayer. So I, please go out. Go join a parade. Go march. Go march in the streets. 
raise your fist in the air and then put that fist in somebody's asshole. So there's your answer for that one. Anonymous also asks, <laughs> uh, I work with a guy who only has one leg. I can't stand him. He keeps toppling over. But on Ching. Okay, great. Thank you for that question. That wasn't a question. That was a, a what, we, what we call in the business a joke. Nice. I like it. I appreciate it. Um, <clears throat> Anonymous also asks, and we're coming up on the 44-minute mark, so we're going to probably wrap it up after this one. Okay. Um, uh, I got I got four to choose from, so I want to I want to end on a kicker. Let me see here. Uh, going after oh this one. Oh Okay, so we're gonna go with this one. Uh, Anonymous asks, "How will human civilization end?" Thoughts? Thoughts, Luna? How will civilization end? I kind of feel like it's ending right now. Like, like it's slowly just in the process of ending. You think so? Because I think, I think uh, every generation feels like, like they're going to be the last ones to. Maybe you're right. That, to see everything go down. See, so I mean, when you were 23 years old, how did you? What did you think? Dude, I remember very specifically. Like, I actually had a kind of a, uh, like, it got to it got to the point like where historical events kind of lined up to where when I was 20, I didn't just pontificate about what the end of civilization was. I had a front row seat. Like there was a, a, a time stamp where I actually had to think about it for a hot second. Uh, cause it was September 11th, 2001. You've seen a lot of stuff now that I I'm was like 20 years old and I, it was around 10 ish in the morning, uh, central time. And I was just waking up, ready to start my day in a tiny little efficiency apartment, sleeping on my couch. And I always used to wake up to the Howard Stern show. And I was I was about to get ready for work, but I had like two hours to kill. And I would just spend it, you know, jerking off or just listening to the radio. The Howard Stern show came on, and uh, I remember being halfway asleep when I bolted – off the couch because Howard Stern had completely said, wait, wait, shut the show down, shut the show down, shut the show down. I'm like, what the fuck is this? And they turned on the news when the first plane hit the, the first tower. Wow. And, uh, at first it was, at first it was like an anomaly. It's like, Oh shit, this is, this is really big news. A, a plane is hitting a, you know, a huge iconic building. Sounded like an accident, but an accident that made you go, what the fuck? Wow, let's keep listening to this. And then there, the, the second plane hit. And then the Pentagon got hit. And with the confluence of those three events happening, um, it, it happened in such short succession that I remember like my imagination went wild like so many others did on that day. And I remember stepping out of my apartment and just looking up in the sky thinking that, oh, this is, this is an overall – like this is an attack on the nation. There was – it was completely unprecedented to hear that something like the Pentagon could be attacked. We didn't know what it was at the time. We didn't know if it was a missile or a bomb or a plane that flew into the Pentagon. But at the moment that they said that, my immediate, my immediate thought was like all bets are off. And I thought 
three hits within like a, a like a two hour time span, and the Pentagon is one of those hits. I went outside. I looked up in the sky. I said, "Okay, all major cities are going to be hit by something." We don't know if it's the Russians. We don't know if it's this country or that country or who or what the fuck it is. Nothing was known at that moment. So I literally went outside. I looked up to the sky and I said, well, I'm right. I'm smack dab in the middle of DFW. And if they're hitting major cities and, and like major areas of, of national interest, then I fully expect the bomb to come hit Dallas. And I just looked up at the sky waiting for like – literally waiting for like a nuclear bomb to drop because that's, so that's how little we knew. And I thought that that was how all of this was going to end at least, at least, you know, that point in history that everything was going to change from that point on through sheer force and violence, just violent acts. And, you know, whatever the future was going to be from that point on, you know, hopefully, there would be people left, and you know there would be a, a continuing of civilization in some form or another. But at that moment, I thought, well, this is where everything ends and changes. Um, now, I think that's closer to what I think that it'll be like nuclear ending. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's hard to say, and that's it's it's a big, weighty, heavy subject to go into. But I do know this: I know that with a a, a large enough objective view on just human history and i know that we're, we're living in a day and an age where things are everything that we're doing right now is completely unprecedented uh against the entire lineage of human history you know what's been happening in the past 200 years since the dawn of the industrial revolution has raised the stakes of human evolution in such a such a high arcing uh, stretch on the graph of human progress that we are literally there's no precedent for everything. Hundreds of thousands of years of being hunter gatherers, five thousand years of uh, having what we recognize as like modern civilization, and then up to a million years as just just roaming around on the plains of the earth. Uh, just trying to dodge sharp tooth things, you know. Um, this is this is a really weird time, and and there's nothing to compare this to. We're the aliens. But I know that over the the stretch of all of human history, like doom and gloom has always been a part of what of, of human nature. Because as far as we know, we're the only animals that are like truly cognizant of their doom of their demise and it makes living life really scary it goes beyond you know um like a deer running away from a fucking a, a, a tiger you know or whatever or an antelope running away from a fucking lion you know there's those base instincts of survival but we're the only people that really or we're the only animals that really get to kind of pontificate on what we know is actually truly going to happen um, and it fucks with us, and it fucks with uh, what we feel is a sense of purpose, what we feel is a sense of identity, what it, what it means to enjoy the base level of what it is to exist, which is essentially pleasure and pain. And, and so because we're such a dour species, because we have a, a well-developed, in comparison to other animals, prefrontal cortex that, that gets to imagine – 
something other than basic survival, I think end times are a kind of a, a novel thought that serve a function. I think that they're kind of a, a, a kind of a catharsis, those kind of thoughts. Um, if you can think your way past death or you can imagine when death is, is coming, then you have some sort of agency over your own demise. Even if you're powerless circumstantially, you are still you still gain some agency by being able to predict when it's going to happen, and it makes you feel like you have at least that little bit of power. And that's what anybody wants. You know, it's, it's our only, what we feel as we're living day-to-day lives, our only true saving grace is that we have some sort of agency over how we live. And so uh, you, you look back at the past, like modern human development, <clears throat> and as, as, from the days of Gilgamesh, when we were starting to tell stories, every generation since then, since almost 10,000 years ago, has every generation has had their own kind of end time story, doom predictions. You know, everybody thinks that they are the last or that they are the pinnacle of human evolution and human development and that it, it, everything is so, so um, crazy that this must be the end point, you know. But if you take a long scale view and you step back, you, you realize that from the time that we were starting to tell stories till this very day that we could, from the from the time where there was actual transference of actual information which is what makes human truly human the modern human transference of information from one generation to the next uh, more than just grunts but being able to catalog information and disseminate it through you know the course of ages um, when we were that way when we started to, to develop ourselves that way, uh, being able to think that you were the <clears throat> the end all be all, and that from this point on everything is just going to be complete doom. I mean, I don't think that civilization is essentially going to end. I think that it will peter out through um, evolution. I think that it will nat- we will naturally just on a gradient curve become something that is beyond what we are capable of understanding right now. It will be that or it will be how the fucking dinosaurs or any of the five uh, grand extinction events have gone through means that are beyond our control. The earth will take us, whether it's by fire or the universe will take us, whether it's by just something as dumb and as – as brutish as being hit by an asteroid. Um, if it's going to be immediate, it's going to be through nature. If it's going to be um, the end of how we appreciate ourselves as human beings, it's going to happen on this just like gradient curve where uh, 10,000, 100,000, a million years down the road, we will become a species that we couldn't even begin to recognize. You know, So I, I don't... I don't dig on end times or doom predictions or anything. I think that's just a that's just a a property and a characteristic of what it is to be alive and contemporary within the space of about seventy years. Those are just natural day to day thoughts, and nothing is to be made of them. 
So I hope that answers your question. I like your take on the whole, give me the cyberpunk future. (laughs) Yeah, that's where I'm at. So uh, now we're, oh shit, we're at 55 minutes. So it's a pretty good time to wrap the show up. But before we do that, I'm going to address the room before I play us out with a little song. Uh, So uh, we got Brett Wendell in the room, longtime listener, longtime caller uh, in the chat room here on YouTube. I'm just going to read through some of Brett's questions. Uh, Brett says, you've been gone for so long. All the old live gang is gone. No, well, no, no. Uh, Stephanie, she's chilling out in the bedroom. Uh, Orion's probably playing a gig right now or working. Um, and, uh, you know, when I can have new guests over, I do bring new guests over. And we just happen to have Luna tonight. So you fucking you say hi to her and you, you praise her. She's a fucking trooper for being here tonight. Uh, Brett also asks... Um, you need to have Luna on all the time. She has a quick wit and a biting sense of humor. I know. I love this kid. I love this. She's fucking amazing, and she lives just around the corner from me. I plan to have her over as often as I can because I really enjoy I really enjoy your company. Thanks. Luna. I like hanging out with you. It's a lot of fun. Okay. Uh, we got Brent, uh, Brett. you have any more questions here? Uh, Brett says, end times are a means of religion to control others. Uh, yeah, hey, you know, I remember being in high school. Uh, let's see. Uh, <laughs> you two have been great. Enjoyed laughs and deep thoughts. And that is how we are going to tie a bow on this fucking show. So, Luna, uh, as per tradition on this show, I'm going to play us out with a little tune. And we'll, we'll fuck off. And then you and I will get to hang out. All fuck right. these guys. Fuck you know, them. fuck them. Kick them to the curb. Kick them to the curb. <clears throat> Think everybody ride in and, and tell tell me how great Luna is. Oh my god. It's TGQ and A. It's TGQ and A. Okay, everybody, good night. We'll see you later. Bye. Bye. See you next time. <laughs>